transfers. How did it get here? Well, it looks to me like you portaled it. A what? You know, portal from wherever you were to here. What's that? It's a, a different kind of portal. It's just changed so radically, and we're all running to catch up. And realignments. They both be pencils. Yeah. All we do know is the boys are back, and the Joe Beaver Show plots its own course. Now there are a few more topics that we have to cover. And we will not talk about transfers, and we will not talk about my mother. We will talk about what I want to talk about. Fair enough. Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? Joe Beaver is on 1240 Joe Radio. Good morning, everybody, and welcome in. Mike Parker, John Warren, The Joe Beaver Show. A couple of special guests today, including... A conversation with Ryan Gibson at 12.05 about Beaver baseball. Sort of in answer to Rogers' request, more baseball. Playoff baseball is coming. Excited about what's ahead for the Mariners. I don't know about Matthew Boyd yet tomorrow. He has been so kind in the busyness and excitement and whirlwind of his life with day games yesterday and today. He said Thursday is, you know, clearly with day games. And 11 to 1 window for us on the Joe Beaver show. I've pretty much thrown it open to Matthew, and he understands that. Hey, anytime between 11 and 1. Now, I've booked, we have two other guests booked. One of them might be bumped if Matthew Boyd comes through. I'm not sure we would take Aaron Fit out of the rotation, although if he's flexible, he, we he would might. understand. If he he would, Aaron would understand. You get Matt Boyd on, yeah, you can do whatever you want. A day with me. before his team goes in. But we we hope to we we plan on and we'll talk to Alex Brink and Aaron Fit tomorrow today. The radio analyst for the Stanford Cardinal, and here's a guy I've visited with off and on for 24 years. And it, things like this concern me. I heard Rome today, and it did make me laugh out loud in talking about the sports beef. Uh, not a sports beef, but beef. You know, we called it the sports beef back in the early yeah, 90s, I remember as that. you recall, on Sports Radio 1520, What's Your Beef? And that was in honor of Joe Pine. Was I that on know. your show, the sports beef? Yes, it was. And I had John's Meat Market sponsor it and provide <laughs> uh, certificates to John's Meat Market, an excellent steakhouse in northwest Portland for the beef of the day. I mean, brilliant. we were doing that in the early 90s. There's nothing new <clears throat> under any sun. No, that's brilliant. You know, it was brilliant, but there's nothing new. I'm not. Uh, but I'm just saying things cycle around. And my whole thing was it was with apologies to Joe Pine. Now, I say to you, Joe Pine, mm -hmm. does that mean anything to you? Yes. That's Chris Pine's brother. <laughs> so now that, of course, leads me to, now who exactly is Chris Pine? I'm sorry. He's an actor. Uh, the only thing I know that I can say he was in was he was uh, Captain Kirk in the new movies okay. version okay. where they all kind of met each other and then they've made a couple of movies. I know nothing of Joe Pine other than I believe in the late 60s. And this is, and I know it was the late 60s when I came across him. If anybody knows who Joe Pine is, was, and I, I dare say it's a was now, based on how old he was when I saw him 
back in uh, on television in the late 60s. But if any of you remember, oh, Joe Pine, sure. I watched Joe Pine. I know Joe Pine. All I know is when I came up with the idea for our show in the early 90s, What's Your Beef? Sports Beef Friday, we called it. And so every Friday, we'd have a, a segment, nearly a full hour. What's your beef? <laughs> and usually it was a sports beef because yeah. it was, you know, Romy's now taking beefs. All beefs. All beefs, which the one that made me laugh was, my beef is with my husband who can who cannot remember our anniversary, our kids' birth dates, but he can remember every movie line he's ever heard over the last 30 years. There's truth there. And that beef and that truth made me laugh because there, there is some truth. But I have, with respect to our other guest today, Ryan Gibson at 1205, to talk about baseball and Bend and Medford. We have a guest at 11.30, and I sit here, John, after having visited with him for 20-some years, and like him, he's been a guest on the show. He's the radio analyst for Stanford. John Platts, or is it Plotts? You, uh, These I, things trouble the, me. The way, Plotts that it's, or Plotts? the way that it's spelled, I would say 98% chance it's Platts. I would concur, but I'm still concerned. And how... It's one of those ridiculous things. I don't want to ask him before the fact. So we've got to find a piece of audio somewhere yeah. or something. Oh, well, well, how many years ago do we have him on? Do you know? Last year. Okay, I'll find it. Yeah, last year. During, during, during the basketball can... season, I believe, last year. Yeah. He's written yeah. a book, 100 Years of Stanford Men's Basketball. But the playoffs are upon us. And so we're talking baseball today with Ryan Gibson, Oregon State style. But, Johnny, I, I don't think I've been more excited about a playoff, not just because our Mariners are in, our Mariners. There you go, Michael. There you go, TJ. <laughs> you made it in. We're front runners. They are our Mariners now. <laughs> and once again, but our regional team, the Seattle Mariners, in the playoffs, that's cool. Uh -huh. It's a great story. Yeah. There's a former Beaver on the club. There's a former Knight on the club. You have Matthew Boyd and Mitch Hanniger, respectively. So go, man, go. That's fun. But you've got Stephen Kwan and Drew Rasmussen in the playoffs, too. And Adley just missed the playoffs, had a great run. So this is an exciting time, I think, for, for baseball and for fans of Beaver baseball to not only watch fall ball going on with Mitch Canham's club, but also fall ball, October baseball, with some of our own and people that we've we loved and respected and appreciated what they gave uh, on the field at Goss Stadium at Coleman Field and around the country and in Omaha. So good stuff going on with respect to baseball right now. So we'll touch on that and visit with John Platts at uh, Toxic John yeah. Platts at around, <laughs> at around 11.30, but confirm pronunciation before... We visit with John, who will talk to us about the Stanford Cardinal team. I'm expecting Stanford to be all in, John, uh, because they look at this game the same way the Beavers and Beaver Nation looks at the game. Yeah. Hey, we can win this game. Let's go. Right, right. And they're going to fight and like use it crazy as a turnaround. for it. Yeah. Now, Oregon State's using it to turn around from two games. Stanford's using it to turn everything around. Three games in Pac-12 this year yeah. and nine straight losses. So you know that they, hey, if, we're gonna, if we can win – this is it. We we start turning things around Saturday night. So the Beavers are going to have to deal with that. I think that is just as a, an approach collectively 
for a proud program in Stanford. So that's kind of the lay of the land today. A lot of open phone opportunities. 497-5356 on the Downward Dog phone line, the University Honda text line. And Roger, who requested baseball, has a follow-up. He's on the Downward Dog phone line right out of the gate today. Roger, thank you for the call. Welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Hey, Mike. Thanks for taking my call and for uh, responding to some uh, Beaver baseball Monday. Uh, I want to go to baseball first off and you know, my favorite theologian, uh, War Number 8, and he was in the shade of uh, uh, the monster in left field. And, you know, he said you can observe a lot by watching, and so he observed that it gets it gets late early out here. Yes. And another guy observed something. His name was Vince, and he was a coach, and he observed that when you throw the ball, there's several things that can happen. Only one of them are good. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we've, we've gone from, uh, well, a run of, of Riley, Erickson, Riley, Anderson, and, and now Smith, guys that pass the ball quite a bit. And I, I'm not against it. We all like to pass the ball. But, but you know, you've talked, Mike, about uh, we're living in a new day, you know, the 200 hitters that are swinging from the fence. Mm-hmm. And did you notice yesterday the Atlanta Braves had a sacrifice bunt, their first one of the year? Oh, my gosh. No, no, I didn't. They, they really did. That was did, mentioned huh? in, the, in the first game of the doubleheader. I'm pretty sure it was the Braves, you know. And, and we live in, in strange times. And one of the things, uh, you know, the, the Monday morning conversation after a loss, you know, is, is kind of a, a funny thing because – we do all this second guessing, and mm-hmm. and you know I'm okay with second guessing the uh, on the Super Bowl with Seattle. You know that that, that yeah. infamous loss with that pick at the goal yes. line. Yes. But man, I I'm not going to go on record as second guessing the coaching staff that we have because I mean I I hated to see that pass on first and goal, frankly, mm-hmm. with an inexperienced quarterback. But you know if we'd have caught it. You know, it'd be a different story, <laughs> sure. you know. And uh, so, but when we see them call a, a reverse or a pass off a reverse or a rare fly sweep, we're not seeing many of them now, but most of them are successful. Well, we think, man, what a great, what mm-hmm. a great uh, call, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, but anyway, I I feel very good about the football team. I, I think that the line play has been tremendous. We we have not we have not got beat. We we've beaten ourselves. Yeah. Right. And uh, right. but you know, hindsight, we could be easily be zero and three going into play a tough Stanford team and maybe lose four in a row. But but on Monday we praised the, the call. Uh, to go for it uh, at Fresno, yes. see? I mean, if, if yes. we'd have lost that game, then we'd be second-guessing the coach. No but, question. Uh, no question. But anyway, I, I'm hoping for a, for a two-score win, but, but any kind of win will work Saturday. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a good time, baseball and football at the same time. Right. I'll let you go. It's really nice to hear from you. I hope you enjoy the conversation with Co- uh, Coach Gibson coming up at 12.05. Yep. Thank you, sir, for the call. Four nine seven fifty three fifty six. A two score win. Yeah, I'll take it. Two to nothing. Two to nothing would be okay I'll in football it. on Saturday. Seven to six. Anything. Win. Find a way to win. And 
I think that will settle a lot of things down. And I think the guys are going to put together a good plan and go down and win. Whatever the case, I do have one game in mind, and I mentioned it yesterday. We're going to go to Tumwater in just a second. And if you'd like to join us, 497-5356. There may be some unfinished business yesterday from the text line. We'd love to, when you take time to text us, we appreciate it. want to get those on the air if possible. So John, I know, is scanning the texts at the moment, and we'll try to filter those in as we go. That loss at Arizona State in 2002. Oh, yeah, that loss. <laughs> the problem, John, is this is why plats are plots. I'm right. not sure. And I've talked to John a lot since 2002. But I remember 2002 a little better. And I remember going to Arizona State with Dennis in his final year here and, De and Derek Anderson and Steven Jackson. And the Beavers lost down there 13 to nine. It was miserable. I don't know how many of you remember this. They really couldn't get anything going. It didn't seem anyway. But then Derek late hit a sc middle screen pass to Steven Jackson and the mm. Beavers have a first and goal at the nine oh, yeah. trailing 13 to nine, yeah. but plenty of time and a first and goal at the nine. I'm thinking after all the, the misery tonight, the Beavers still are a play away from winning this game. They're going to score a touchdown and win. And they ended up back at their own 46 as time ran out yeah. and didn't get a playoff. That's how that game ended. Clock management, yeah. play management. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So we lose 13 to 9. Steven Jackson, that game carried the ball 14 times. Steven Jackson, 14 carries, 58 yards. Now, the way Urban Legend has it, and Tim Ewis and others might be able to confirm or not, but. Coming home, and I remember that late-night trip back on a charter and just the, oh, gosh, just that awful feeling coming back from that game and that loss. The urban legend has it that Dennis essentially said, I'm taking over play calling from here on in. <laughs> <laughs> and that, you know, he had delegated it to a good coach and a right-hand man for a long time, and Tim Lapano, who, who was the play caller of record in 2000, didn't do a bad job then, right? So, I mean, but but the Beavers were scuffling in that Arizona State game, and Dennis said, I, I've got this, essentially, going forward. The mm -hmm. following week, give it to Steven Jackson 36 times, from 14 to 36 and 235 yards, and the Beavers beat Cal at Reeser. Now, I'm not saying Jam Griffin or Deshaun and all that. That's going to – there's your lesson. There's your lesson. You know, Roger talked about three things and quoted Vince. It was Woody Hayes, I believe, that was that whom that quote is attributed attributed to. Woody, uh, three things go bad when you drop. Uh, there are only three outcomes, and two of them are bad when you go back to pass or throw a forward pass. I think the forward pass will still be part of Jonathan and Brian's approach, but I do somehow sense that if they can find a rhythm with the three-man rotation in the backfield that we might see that featured more than per not because fans are second guessing or fans are clamoring. Why are you doing that? Because they will look and see to put their guys in their best possible position and running the football, running the football has been Jonathan's MO, even in the 31 point debut in, uh, in the shoe in Columbus, Artavis Pierce ripped off long runs and Jonathan, I think, wants to see more of that in the run game. He talked about we're, we're lacking those big explosive plays a la Pierce or Nall or Jamar Jefferson or B.J. Baylor. But 
We'll see how they're plotting and planning and getting the team ready for this Saturday. We'll be finding out more as we go. I'll visit with Jonathan later today on a local show. Chew on this. But I'm expecting a a very concerted Mm -hmm. and I think visible manifest effort offensively that will show that there's a lot of cleaning up and tightening up of things and We'll, a plan will be given to these guys. I trust the coaches, as Roger said. He believes in this staff. I do, too. And I think you'll see the fruits of their going back to work and finding the right combination for the players, whatever that personnel package will consist of. I think we'll see it Saturday night in Palo Alto. Dave and Tumwater, in the meantime, Dave, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. A quick look back and then a look forward. Uh, I heard the interview with uh, Petros yesterday, and those are always uh, not only informative but highly entertaining. Uh, but I didn't hear the uh, hour after that, so I don't know what dialogue ensued. But, I, but as I was turning off my radio, it did seem to me that Petros uh, had answered that question. Well, you guys might remember that little joust I had very early in the season, the radio show season. Uh, right when the, the, all the talk was about realignment, and I cast uh, the, the, uh, the, all the blame at, at the foot, uh, foot, a, a feet of Larry Scott. And I think it was uh, Mike uh, from Seattle who said there's more people to blame. It seemed to me that Petro actually perfectly, perfectly <laughs> scripted it so, so that we're both right. Yeah. You can blame the, the predicament at, the comp, at, at Larry Scott's feet. But it was the chancellors and the presidents who stood by idly and watched Rome burn. Yeah. So it seems yeah. to me that both Mike and I were right okay. about that. I don't know if you talked about that all after the call, but um, after uh, Petros's interview, but I thought he kind of he kind of uh, hit uh, that mm-hmm. proposition equitably. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. We didn't talk. We moved on to some other things, but but I'm glad you brought that back up. What else is on your mind, Dave? Well, I want to. Uh, looking forward uh, uh, to this coming game. You know, I'm not a big X's and O's guy, guy, uh, and uh, just something to be on the watch for. I think you, you typified it early in the week. It's going to be a real. It's a must win for both teams. Unfortunately, it's there, not here. Um, and I think what we have to be on the watch for is uh, uh, Stanford struggling early and bringing in a replacement quarterback who proceeds to light the farm up. I was reflecting on this, having been a fan since 1999, though I was at that game at Utah in 1998 as a Husky fan, believe it or not. I wasn't, well, anyway, Mm -hmm. when Jonathan came in reserve. But in all that time, gentlemen, I can think of only two games in which a replacement quarterback from Oregon State came into a game and was absolutely lights out. But it's happened so many times to the offers that I've lost track. And those two are Jonathan in Seattle in 98 and Cody Vaz at Brigham Young in 2012, which is still one of the greatest quarterback performances in the modern history of Oregon State quarterbacking and football. So, that's what I think we've got to be on the lookout for. I mean, that's not a Jim Wilson kind of insight. Again, it's a fan's perspective. That's what I think we've got to be on the lookout for. I hope it doesn't happen, but I wouldn't be surprised by the same token if it does. 
Well, you know, they played three quarterbacks in the Oregon loss this past Saturday night. Tanner McKee, Ari Patu, who started and struggled against the Beavers last year in the 35-14 Beaver win at Reeser. And they brought Ashton Daniels, more of a of a running quarterback type threat. And that may be, uh-uh, who? What? Uh-oh, that may be the guy you're, Ashton Daniels, 6'2", 215-pound <laughs> freshman, Buford, Georgia. He's rushed twice for 31 yards wow. in his two games. And it worries me. We don't that need worries that. me a little bit, given what, and, and and you know David Shaw and his, his staff are resourceful enough that if they see the Beavs have had some issues with Caleb Williams and Cameron Rising, there may be a little bit more of that element. You know what I'm saying, Dave, with Daniels? Absolutely, Mike. I, I think you've. Uh, I think that's uh, a good assessment. There actually was one more retrospective comment. I meant to bring, uh, bring this up on Monday. And there's been a lot of criticism of the play calling, and even Coach Smith has kind of conceded uh, that there was an issue there. But the one play, John, I'm sure you were pulling your hair out at the very same time I was, it was that fade in the, to the corner oh, yeah. of the end zone. Exactly the wrong play call with the wrong matchup. It was just crazy to call that play, which is difficult to execute under the best of circumstances. And that game, it was just maddening to see it attempted. <laughs> I, I would like to see that, that play leave all playbooks. <laughs> <laughs> Until the next time it's caught for a touchdown, Beavers. Unless hey. you have a receiver who's 6'9 <laughs> well, going up against a 5'3 corner. That's a good point. And Stanford, that's, Stanford has big receivers. That's something, too, that the Beavers are going to have to deal with. I, I like the way the secondary is playing, though. Yeah, I think they're yeah. going to hold up well. Tanner McKee's been sacked 16 times through four games, Dave. The Beavers got to get a little piece of that action and get after that guy and make life yeah, uncomfortable that- for him. And maybe a turnover yes. or two. And then I, if that happens, I really like our Yeah, chance. I agree. Great well, to hear for, from you. Thank you, Dave. Yep. Take care, guys. Thank you. Good talking. So let's take a break and come back with the Stanford radio analyst, our good friend John, coming up on 1240 Joe Radio. We set him up. You knock him down. It was a Sunday, and I had just sat down in the recliner with a bowl of chips to watch the big game when I heard a terrible sound. I hope you're not planning on sitting around the house all day. You gotta get to work on this place. That game's just gonna have to wait. I would, but I don't have all the equipment. That's no excuse. You can rent everything at Philomath Rental, and since they're open on Sundays, you can go out there right now. Darn you, Philomath Rental. Open seven days a week. Philomath Rental, behind Landmark Realty, just a mile and a half west of the Sunset Shopping Center. Tools and equipment for your home, farm, and business. Need a passport or visa picture for any foreign country, including Canada? Wise Photo Printing can help. Need to transfer an old video or film to a digital format? Wise Photo Printing can help. Looking to restore or manipulate an image, or do you need a high-resolution scan of a print negative or a slide? Wise Photo Printing can help. They have a self-service kiosk, too. Wise Photo Printing, 6th and Adams, next to Ball Studios in downtown Corvallis. Helping you get it done. Hey, this is Jake with Albany Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram and Hyundai. 
The regular maintenance of your vehicle is essential to the longevity and performance. Our team of master technicians can service all makes and models and will get you back on the road in no time. It's easy to schedule with us, either online or just give us a call, and we can schedule your service within days, not weeks or months. We offer shuttle rides and complimentary washes with every service, and we're open on Saturdays. As always, our diverse sales staff is here to provide the very best customer service to you. We're Albany Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram and Hyundai on Santa Am Highway across the street from the Fred Meyer. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. If you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group, 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first. Feel the power at Power Honda in Albany, where quality, service, and peace of mind meet you as you walk through the door at 4120 Sandham Highway in Albany. Power Honda is family-owned and offers new vehicles and over a 1,000 used vehicles to choose from. Power Honda has a Google review of 4.9 stars, offers financing for everyone, and knows how to treat their customers' needs. Honda. Come feel the power at Power Honda in Albany. Built upon a solid foundation of cast iron and steel, it's the Kubota L-Series Tractor. It's part of a Kubota tractor lineup that's rated number one in durability and owner experience. The durable Kubota L1 features powerful diesel engines and is easy to operate. Visit Lynn Benton Tractor in Tangent or go to lynnbentontractor.com. Lynn Benton Tractor, we're still doing business the American way. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. Mike Parker with John Warren. Great to have you with us. Assistant Coach Ryan Gibson will be joining us at 12.05 to talk some uh, Oregon State baseball fall ball. The recent trip to Bend before a sellout crowd and another nice crowd expected in Medford on Saturday as we continue uh, getting ready for the Beavers and the Stanford Cardinal Saturday night, Stanford Stadium in Palo Alto. The Beavers haven't won there since 2006. And there is a sense, I think, in this game, maybe more than ever, in a game in a long time where I feel that, Johnny, that both both programs are just going all in on yeah. we can hit the restart button, we can get our season going now, we've been through a gauntlet of a schedule we are preoccupied in our world in Beaver Nation with a pretty tough schedule. Non-conference, Boise State, Fresno State, a very mm-hmm. good FCS club. Then home to USC and at Utah. But you're not going to get any sympathy from no <laughs> from the team the Beavers are about to play. And our next guest, John Platts, who does the radio analyst work for Stanford football and basketball and has written a book that we talked about with John before, 100 Years of Stanford men's basketball. John Platts is kind enough to join us on the Joe Beaver Show, whose team that he covers has played in consecutive weeks, USC, at Washington, at Oregon. So, John, I don't think anybody in in these instances, I think both programs, David Shaw, Jonathan Smith, can empathize with one another. That's a tough way to start for both programs. Mike, it, it's been a gauntlet, as I know, as I know you know, and uh, I, I can't remember. I, I, I guess, I guess, I have selective memory, right? I guess we, we we played Oregon in September. We did we played them right around the first of the year, first of October last year. But, but there's no question about it, Mike. It's, it's been it's been challenging. You know, I think 
one one extra thing that's made it challenging is each of each of the schools has had a a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator, and a new dynamic quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 that that just sort of adds to the challenge. Not that not that facing a, a quarterback that a team knows, such as the Chance Nolan, for example, uh, necessarily makes it easier. But I do think you know the dynamism of the quarterbacks that Stanford has played in in uh, Caleb Williams and. Michael Franks Jr. and Bo Nix certainly was a factor in Stanford giving up a lot of points. John, this is kind of off our own game for a moment, but in the in the, those first two games, and you can talk about Bo perhaps in that mix too, but what quarterback impressed you the most or maybe even surprised you? I know Penix Jr. is sort of, I don't know if he's been a surprise, but I think he's been a little bit better than what we all might have expected. What are your thoughts about those three quarterbacks you just mentioned? Uh, I love the question. Um, I, I honestly, I'd have to say Bo Nix, and it's not just because Stanford, you know, it's most recent in my mind, but but Michael Footspeed. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's 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 quicker and faster than I, I certainly have been led to believe. I watched Auburn games in the past, including against Oregon, and and I he, he really he really can move. Um, so you know, I, I and that and that's a weapon. I, you know, Oregon to me of the three. I'd have to say is the most impressive, in, in part because they seem to be getting better week to week. I mean, they, they had the, the, the obviously the tough one against Georgia, but they, they they seem to be getting discernibly better. And Nix in particular seems to be flourishing on uh, the kind of Gillingham system. Mm-hmm. The USC, Mikey, this the scheme. I thought Lincoln Riley's scheme was uh, was uh, befuddling for Stanford, to be honest. And that that doesn't happen to Stanford a lot. Uh, and then in Washington, Michael Penix Jr. He was the deep ball. And their receivers for Washington with Jalen McMillan and and Roma Dunze, and they, they can get downfield. And, and, and Michael Penix Jr. seems to have a rhythm for the deep ball. You know, he kind of throws it up there and lets the receivers run under it. It's a it's an eminently catchable ball. So, so for different reasons, the offenses uh, present problems. John Platt, Stanford radio analyst, joining us on the Joe Beaver Show. John, the the game against USC, I'm, I'm having a hard time kind of figuring out in, in looking at your, your offense, the Cardinal offense, in that they generated 33 first downs against Alex Grinch's defense in that game. That's more than in any game Jonathan Smith with his good offenses has had at Oregon State. So, and then it looked, though, that you weren't as smooth or functional against Oregon. So is Oregon just that much better on defense? I mean, what did you kind of see between those two games? I, I would say the three teams, uh, USC, Washington, Oregon, I'd have to give the nod to Oregon's defense. Now, I had thought, kind of watching some tape and some early games, that Oregon might have some vulnerabilities in the secondary because Stanford's strength, and I know we'll get to this, is the, is the pass game with mm-hmm. Canada McKee and, and just a, a stable full of upper-classmen, deep, uh, big receiver targets. Um but Mike USC or Oregon's defense, I mean, you know that Noah Sewell, Brandon Dorless, yeah, had the usual good game against Stanford. But but the Christian Gonzalez, the transfer from Colorado, um, you know, Stevenson has played, you know, better. But they they were they were covering Stanford guys pretty pretty darn well. They still won three at halftime. I think Oregon had some second liners there in, mm-hmm. in the game in the second half. But Oregon Oregon's defense, the speed, Mike, and I just think Dan Lanning, that's his calling card, and I think. I think he got to work after that Georgia game, and uh, whether it's you know personnel mix groupings or just getting getting guys more crisp. I think that Oregon defense of the three 
to me, is playing the best of, of Oregon, Washington, USC right now. And you say that even after Washington, and I'm wondering what happened in that game with protection for Tanner or the lack thereof. I, do, I read in the stats. I haven't seen the game. I don't know what the, all these sacks were a function of, but your team has given up 16 sacks and eight of them in Seattle. What what went on there? And, and in general, sort of, what do you see in the protection factor? Well, that that, that is, is the tackle issue. Sanford had its starting right tackle, Miles Hinton, if the surname is familiar, it should be Chris Hinton as a longtime NFL player. I think he was a high first-round pick in 1983 in what we call the John Elway draft. He didn't go to Stanford, but Hinton didn't. But his son is, you know, six, seven, three hundred something. He missed the Washington game. Uh, then Stanford lost its left tackle, Walter Rouse, for part of that game. And, and for Stanford, I mean, those, those, those guys are, are important. And and a lot of the pressure came from from those, those gaps or those those areas. So, uh, and and to be honest, Stanford still has uh, tackle issues. And Miles Hinton and Barrett Miller, his backup at right tackle, are both questionable for the Oregon State game. So, I, I it was that. I mean, or, uh, Washington does have some edge guys that have some quickness uh, that they got in there. So, I think I think that game was was sort of the outlier. Mm-hmm. Because of the, of the, the tackle situation, right? against Oregon, I think Coach Shaw dialed up some schemes. You know, had a tight end tight and some good pass pro from the running backs to, to alleviate some of the pressure. But but at Washington game, it was it was the O line not being in full strength. John, you, when you say tight end, and my mind just immediately drifts to too many good ones <laughs> through the years that have beaten, yeah. burned Oregon State and everybody else in Zach Ertz and Colby Parkinson and Austin Hooper and Dalton Schultz and now. Uh, Benjamin Urosik seems to be maybe the next. And yet, in saying all of that, I'm just wondering what you've observed from your seat, having been there a long time and seen, I'm sure, so many years of Stanford football, what Jim Harbaugh and David Shaw kind of went to work on in 07, what they built up, incredible run, three Rose Bowls and all of those things. What, what's gone on of late? Uh, can you put a finger on a few things uh, about you know, maybe what what's happened in terms of that overwhelmingly talented physical personnel and the tight end factory and O line, et cetera, is David trying to build back up to it? Do you see that happening again? What's gone on here these last three or four years? That 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 goal has has not changed uh, at all. Um, this year it was going to be built around EJ Smith, um, and it's Emmett Smith's son, mm-hmm. the closer to NFL back. And he was lost for the year. So, uh, you know, it, it sounds like a cop-out, and I wish I could manufacture something that was better sounding. For Stanford, 2019, somewhat last year, uh, and, and this year, injuries at key spots in that sort of offensive line running back area have really diminished what, what David Shaw wants to do. I, I, think, I think somewhat, too, it's, it's the fact that the, the personnel in those, in those positions have not been quite as as lustrous, if you will, as, you know, the Christian McCaffrey and, and Bryce Love and Stanford mm-hmm. Hudson O'Lyman drafted. You mentioned the tight ends. And, you know, in the run scheme, they're, 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 they're blockers as well as, as receivers. And, uh, uh, you know, Benjamin Rossick is, is, is a bit more receiver than he, than he is blocker. Um, uh, but there's a backup, interestingly. Stanford has Merlin Olson, a great Hall of Famer, his grandnephew, Sam Roush is the sort of the latest of the of the tight end uh, guys who come to Stanford. He's a true freshman. He's he's a better blocker. So 
Um, I just think it's, it's again, it, for a lot of these games, Mike, Stanford has not been full strength at the offensive line and or has not had their, their primary running back. Um, or, or, or if they have, it isn't the running back that Christian McCaffrey was or, or Bryce Love was or going back a ways Tyler Gaffney was. Yeah. And so, yeah. but, but make no mistake, David Shaw remains run and defend the run, and, and that's not going to change. John Platts joining us, Stanford radio analyst ahead of the Beavers and Cardinal on the farm this Saturday night. Both teams going into this game, John, as you well know in your preparation, turnovers have been just a, a gigantic issue. For the Beavers, it's been more interceptions. For you guys, a little bit more the ball on the ground. I, what Any coach wants to certainly coach that out of, try to move away from that. You can't win games turning it over at that kind of rate. What, do you have a feel or a sense of what's gone on with respect to your turnovers? Well, I mean, it's a question I ask David Shaw every game, and it's, it's, it's if you ask him, he'll say it's, it's the number one issue, uh, the fact that, 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 that these players have put the ball on the ground. Now, part of, part of turnovers is turn of a margin, and Stanford, and this is a, a shortcoming of Stanford, at least statistically, Stanford just does not generate turnovers, not like, not like they did during the, 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 glory, the glory years, uh, you know, the early 00s, mid 00s, or, sorry, 2010s. Um, but as far as Stanford uh, putting the ball on the ground, Mike, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of been a team-wide malaise in the, in the opener against Colgate. Special teams had three fumbles. Now that you know, it's the first game, and you know, maybe there's you know, college kids don't have preseason games, so that might have been part of it. But you know, Terry McKee has been a couple of ball security issues, and Daniel Rossick had a, a fumble against Oregon. And the problem, Mike, is that the, it's where the fumbles have occurred. Uh, it's it's Stanford is. A lot of these stems have been in the red zone, in the attacking red zone on offense, and it's just not only do you not get the touchdown, but you don't even get the field goal attempt. And if you look at you look at Joshua Cardi's Stanford's place kicker, his field goal attempts, he he's had two this year, both against Oregon, yeah. because because the because the turn because of the turnovers in the red zone. So it's not it's not one area. You know, I do think Tanner McKee. It's unusual for Stanford to have the quarterback have multiple multiple fumbles. So uh, you know McKee. You know, getting coached up on ball security, I think, has been a focus, but it, ha- it hasn't just been one, one or two players. John, you're, the program, you talk about the glory days and, and the early, you know, when Jim took it and David succeeded him and kept and took it even to greater heights. It's, it's a remarkable story to me because you – You've seen, I don't how long, if you've written the book on Stanford basketball, I know anytime I've come to Stanford, there you are, no matter, it seems, the sport. How long have you been around the program? What, when did you, how long have you been watching Stanford football? Uh, well, I, I'm, I have relatives who went to USC. So in the 1970s, when I was a kid, I went to a lot of the USC home games and I would see Oregon State and I would see Oregon and all the others, then Pac-8 schools. Uh, I came to Stanford, played basketball there uh, as your sort of basic third-string point guard, as, as things turned out. Um, but so I, I go back to the '70s, but been watching closely, Mike, since the John Elway years. So okay. I mean, this is my 13th year doing football. I've done basketball. This will be my 34th. So I've, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of the games and have a lot of bases for comparison. I know where you're going. Stanford's had a lot of years in there. Yeah. Where it's 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 not it's been fair to middle in or below that. So. Those were the Warriors, yes, and uh, and uh, well, you know, I know David Shaw wants to get that there. Yeah, I know, and it, it's you know when when Jim took the job, uh, Harbaugh, and what he did early and quickly, the great win and the upset win at the Coliseum in 07, but 
not long thereafter, I know he beat the Beavers in the opener in 2008. The Beavers haven't won a game in your stadium, as you know, since Walt Harris's final year, which was a, a debacle of sorts at 1-11. We know of 1-11. That's what Jonathan inherited when he got the job coming off of 1-11. But the coaching job, Mike Riley said, of, of Jim, whom he coached at San Diego with the Chargers, Riley said one of the great coaching jobs in America, Jim Harbaugh at Stanford, to change and turn and transform that culture around. You saw it firsthand, John, and and David took it even further than that. So can can David, is he, does he have enough equity? Does he have enough you know, experience in, in having been part of the turnaround to, within his own program, find a way to do it again? Well, I, I, that's, I, that's the question. I believe he does, Mike. And, and it's interesting because Jim Harbaugh and David Shaw are different men mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And, 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 they, and they go about building a program in different ways. Now, I think they share similar philosophies that, you know, lines are paramount, offensive and defensive lines, and, and, and running the football is sort of what we hang our hats on. So in that sense, they're similar. But Jim Harbaugh, just, just he comes in and, and, and he, 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 he upends things that he thinks, according to him, me fixing it up. By upend, like I mean, he really he upends it to analogize to the business world. He's a turnaround guy. I mean, yeah. he'll come in and he will, he'll turn it around and he'll have no qualms about it. And he may ruffle feathers, but his purpose is not egocentric. It's look, I, this is what we need to do. And he may be right, he may be wrong, but he was more right than wrong, no question about it. Uh, and he also had a feel, Mike, for finding undervalued talent. You know, we, we, we live in a world of five-star, four-star, three-star. Well, Jim Harbaugh, and I have to say with an assist from his father, Jack Harbaugh, was a longtime college coach, was a D coordinator under Paul Wiggins at Stanford in the early 80s, but later became a coach at Western Kentucky. In the 70s, was a defensive coordinator for Bill Schoenbeckler. Jack Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, they, they could, you know, Ben Gardner was a, a name I know that you remember, mm-hmm. Mike. He was a a defensive lineman played well in Rose Bowl games, eventually became a second-team all-conference guy. He was completely overlooked. He was an undersized lineman in Wisconsin. His home state school didn't even bother to look at him. And I could, I could, I, I could, it would take my fingers and my toes, Mike, to, to, to list all the guys that Jim Harbaugh found. So he, mm-hmm. he did it by finding talent that way. David Shaw, like has, he, you cannot, you couldn't, you couldn't create a better Stanford head coach out of central casting. He, he speaks, he speaks at innovation business conferences. He speaks to alumni. You put him in, in a living room, and he can, he can talk about any subject, and he wins a lot of recruiting battles that way. He yeah. has a lot of, a lot of panache, a lot of name recognition, um, and so David Shaw, when he identifies a, a, a talent. Chances are, and, and, and even a better yield than Jim Harbaugh, he'll get him. So they do it different ways. Um, you know, I think for, for Coach Shaw, really it is, you know, is he getting the sort of players um, that, that fit, fit the mold and can, and can they stay healthy? But, um, there, yeah, there's no question that, that David Shaw, you know, this, this grates on him as, a, as a, I'm sure the two losses have graded on Jonathan Smith. These are coaches that have known success, rare success at their schools, and they, you know, it, it hurts to drop a couple, you know, multiple conference games before we've hit the first week in October. And so, you know, they're, they're, they're both, I know they're both aching to get this win this week, and that's what makes the match fascinating because these are two excellent coaches, excellent men that I have high, high regard for. Yeah. I frankly, Mike, don't know how it's going to shake out. Yeah, no, you, you touched on a lot of great things. I mean, here's just, I'm hoping 
that Stanford has the patience and all of that, that they'll allow David to kind of rebuild it again, even though there's been a downturn, clearly injuries, and you've touched on a number of things. John, how much is it? The, does David ever say, does anybody, does he just understand the reality of where he is, that the transfer portal, they put a graphic up in the Oregon-Stanford game. Number of transfers for Oregon, 21. Number of Stanford, <laughs> transfers for Stanford, one. Graduate transfer, Patrick Fields. Is there any, do you think that's part of an explanation at all in the transfer portal world about a, a little downturn here that you're in? I, I do think that's that's a, a part of it. You know, David Shaw won't cop to that. He, mm-hmm. He's too fine a man, too proud a man to do that. But Stanford does not have that that resource pool to draw from because you can't get, get the young men admitted into the school. Stanford's admissions requirements, they're more stringent like than when I was admitted all, all those years ago. It's, it's become crazy. I mean, under 5% or something of, of, of applicants get admitted. And, grad, and for grad transfers, it's, it's sort of similar numbers. So Stanford has to do it. The old-fashioned way. Now, what Stanford can sell, and which has helped, is, is uh, you know, the, the education to get your degree, and the whole Stanford network. Network it really does help you get a leg up on your professional career if you're not playing football. If you want to play professional football, David Shaw has you know a bunch of guys in the NFL, so there, there's that pedigree. But 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 Mike, I, 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 David, I think Stanford is, in this transfer era, it's a total era. It's a unique situation. I don't think David is under, I think he's under self-imposed pressure, but Stanford, the leadership understands the new world of college athletics. And so I just think, I think this is for David to look at himself. And I, I believe he'll have rope to do it. And I think he, he, he will do it. But this is an interesting career inflection for him. Yeah. One that's it's difficult, but I think one that he embraces because it's a professional challenge. Yeah. Hey, last thing, John, and I've asked everybody that comes on when we appreciate a person's long-term perspective on the league, the Pac-8, the PCC, maybe. I know you're familiar with it in basketball. Yes, so, yeah, so you know it all. And so the question we ask everybody, whether it's Ted Robinson or Roxy or Yogi or Petros yesterday, I ask you, are, what, do you have a gut-level sense in conversations, just your own gut-level sense about Stanford, Cal, Oregon, Washington, the four corner schools, Washington State, Oregon State, the future of our great conference? John, I mean, do you, what, where do you sit on that today on this 5th of October? Yeah, where do I sit? So I, I have no information. Stanford has placed this incredibly close to the vest. I admire that, actually. I'm not one of these people that feels the need to know inside discussions. But I don't, I don't know that there have been that many. Uh, I, I, I have bias, Mike, and you probably can, can, can sniff it out. I, I think college athletics is a regional game um, that builds on memory. And as decades go by, it's, you know, what about that Oregon State? Mm-hmm. Stanford game with Terry Baker and the other. I mean, right. I just it, it sort of builds on itself. And when you, you know, when Stan, I know this because Stanford's playing Notre Dame next week, and, and you play Notre Dame game, it just feels different. Yeah, um, it's a different part of the country. It's just it's not it's not our group. And I, for, for I just think this this is an our group kind of sport, even in the major sports. And so I am I am rooting for, and I do think the conference will survive intact. I. I think there's probably a lot of heavy discussions about who the partners will be. I, I kind of feel like maybe an Amazon or Apple is going to be more to this story than people are surmising. Because, and, and, and that will entail some 
some difficulty maybe for consumers, but it will preserve the league. And I just think preserving the conference, the Washingtons, the Oregons, the California, what's left of it, um, and hopefully also the Arizonas and, and, and the Colorados, I, I just think that's the best result. Mike, I don't know what your, where your conversations have taken you as far as, as this whole, how are you, USC and UCLA players going to do the travel thing? Yeah. It's crazy. Right. I mean, you've been on, you've been on long road trips. I mean, you know, an hour or two on a plane and yeah. not too, too disruptive, but you're doing that every other weekend. Mm-hmm. And you're going to regional airports in Ohio and Pennsylvania and, yep. and, and that sort of thing. I, I, I mean, it's the kind of thing that I think if Oregon and Washington, Stanford, California, if they did do this, that they would rule it. And I think that the USC and UCLA athletes may rule the the, the, um, yeah. the fact that you know that, 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 that they went. And I'll tell you something else, Mike. This UCLA attendance thing at the Rose Bowl is 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 not some of that, or at least a little bit of that. Some people going, "Hey, we're we're not even in Pac twelve anymore. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening to my team. What's happening to my right. you know to to our, our, our the schools we play." So anyway, all of that. That's my response. Well, John, all of that to say I'm grateful for an opportunity to come to the farm on Saturday for a football game between the Beavers and Cardinal. It sounds right. It feels right. I look forward to two teams all in on trying to get their seasons turned, and and I look forward to seeing you, John. Thanks for making time. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Mike. I'm glad I'll see you in the next booth over. And I Listen, I'll say this to your listeners. There is no – but no announcer, none of us, who have more passion for the sport or their team than you do. And that's part of what makes college athletics great, the passion exhibited by anyone connected to it, and you're surely a central part of that. John, thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you. Appreciate your time. John Platts, the radio analyst for the Stanford Cardinal. Ryan Gibson coming up, baseball on the Beavs fall ball, and some new names that I look forward to hearing about, including a Gavin Turley and maybe a Yako Craig, a Jacob Craig, and an Easton Tult. Tult. We've got a lot to get to today on 1240 Joe Radio. Are you expecting out-of-town guests this fall? Not sure where they're going to sleep? You could add on an extra bedroom. Or an easier and less expensive solution would be to buy a futon from Futon Man. Futon Man has quality constructed solid hardwood frames in lots of styles and finishes, and their alley resilient mattresses have a long lasting foam core. And there's lots of cover choices too. Stop by Futon Man, two miles north of Corvallis on Highway 99, or online at futon man.com. Hey, this is Jake with Albany Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram and Hyundai. The regular maintenance of your vehicle is essential to the longevity and performance. Our team of master technicians can service all makes and models and will get you back on the road in no time. It's easy to schedule with us, either online or just give us a call, and we can schedule your service within days, not weeks or months. We offer shuttle rides and complimentary washes with every service, and we're open on Saturdays. As always, our diverse sales staff is here to provide the very best customer service to you. We're Albany Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram and Hyundai on Santa Am Highway across the street from the Fred Meyer. Hurry into Mike's Corvallis Bargain Center now with Blue Pine TG, Shiplap Pine, and S4S Dimensional Pine and Hemlock Fur all in stock. Mike's Corvallis Bargain Center also has interior and exterior plywood as well as domestic, exotic, and live-edge hardwood currently in stock. Complete your next interior or exterior project with help from Mike's Corvallis Bargain Center, conveniently located off of Highway 34 on Texas Street between Albany and Corvallis. The outside to the left and jogs in. Touchdown, Beavers! It takes a team effort to score a touchdown. The same is true if you need some advice with personal or business tax planning, monthly business bookkeeping, or just need some help with strategy. With over 45 years in business, the coaching staff at Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis can help. 
See David Mendenhall, Bill Heck, or Robert Berry. They have the experience you need to execute the game plan and score a touchdown every time. Visit taxandwealthmanagement.com and get into the game. Touchdown, Beavers! Why is Woodstock's Pizza all kinds of pizza for all kinds of people? Because no matter who you are or where you're from, you can create the perfect pizza at Woodstock's. So you can choose from over 35 fresh toppings, four made fresh daily crust options, several cheese options, including vegan and dairy-free, and six sauce options, including vegan and dairy-free, all to go along with your choice of dine-in, takeout, or delivery to most of Corvallis. So... Woodstock's Pizza is all kinds of pizza for all kinds of people. Woodstock's Pizza, Kings Boulevard in Corvallis. Have you been putting off that remodeling project? Have you finally decided to take a leap and get it done? For over 30 years, people in the Mid-Valley have been going to Corvallis Floor Covering. Stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, countertops, wood and vinyl flooring and window coverings from all the popular brands that you know, love and gotta have. They're on the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering and go Beebs. All righty, all righty. Uh, we continue here on the Joe Beaver Show. All right, coming up, we just have a little bit more than a minute to go. Coming up here on the program at 12.05, just after the news and the top of the hour, we're going to hear from Ryan Gibson from Oregon State Baseball. We did get, we got a text early on when we were, uh, talking about things, and it was from, I don't think there's a name on it, but it says, this is football season. Why so much baseball talk? We have plenty of time to talk about baseball during baseball season. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I think on the Mariner side of things, it just became, oh my gosh, we carry the Mariners. They're kind of a regional team. You can't help but talk about Mariner baseball. On the Beaver side, I, that's where I agree with you. We have baseball season to talk about that. However, we managed to get a couple of guests we didn't expect. Aaron Fitt went and watched the Beavers play in uh, in Bend last weekend. And with that connection, that national kind of level, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. <laughs> you want to get them on. And if they'll come on and talk about what they saw, that's a great get. Ryan Gibson was a bonus. Uh, Aaron Fitt was a bonus. And so... That part of the quote-unquote baseball talk here during football was something you just you can't turn down. You just can't turn down. So I get it. Okay, that'll do it for this hour. We have uh, Market Watch coming up, and then uh, we'll be back here in the next hour. Mariner baseball at 1230 this afternoon. Roll tape, please. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240. Joe Radio. I'm Frank Miller with Your Money Now. Well, Tyson Foods will be undergoing a major relocation of its employees in the near future. The company says that it's moving all of its corporate employees to its headquarters in northwest Arkansas. In a statement accompanying the announcement, the company said that the move would foster closer collaboration and enable faster decision making. The company says it's looking to expand and remodel the headquarters. That would be in an effort to accommodate the increase in employees working on site and that the move is set to begin sometime early next year. Many major CEOs think that a recession is just around the corner. A new survey released by big four accounting firm KPMG says that the vast majority of CEOs believe that a recession is coming within the near future. Some 86% of CEOs say that it could happen over the next year. 60% of respondents said that they expect the recession to be mild and short. Now, this comes as the U.N. had also recently warned that the world is also on the edge of a recession. On Wall Street, stocks remain mostly lower. That's your money now. 
My doctor told me my blood pressure is borderline. I figured I could worry about it or do something about it. So I took control with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. It works safely and naturally to help maintain healthy blood pressure with a custom blend of garlic, vitamins, and minerals. And it's odor-free. I'm taking charge with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The term natural reference is only the garlic in the product. Use as directed. She posted about us? Just now? Celebrities can't get enough of Biana's bespoke skincare line. She has 147 million followers. How do we monetize? She needs a social media associate to help her with the hype. We should repost this. Do we need a hashtag? Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. You can schedule and conduct virtual interviews all from your employer dashboard. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. If you are a veteran and live in Lynn County, there are benefits and services available to you at Lynn County Veterans Services. You've earned them. Use them. Call 541-926-3882 and take advantage of what you've earned. Home loans, disability compensation, health care, transportation, and more. Lynn County Veterans Services is here to help you. If you are a veteran and live in Lynn County, call 541-926-3882 and thank you for serving your country. Lynn County Veterans Services, serving our local veterans university hero and fifth street growler fresh subs craft brews and the beeves where in corvallis can you watch the beavers on tv enjoy your favorite sub sandwich or drinking a cold craft beer or sipping on a glass of wine university hero and fifth street growlers that's where it's a great combination stop by on fifth street downtown corvallis University Hero and 5th Street Growler. Fresh subs, craft brews, and the beefs. Hi, I'm Dennis Overs, the golf guru, with another golf minute to help you play the weight NC game. One very crucial element in the golf swing is the transition from backswing to downswing. Because once the club starts down, it's difficult to make last minute adjustments. The proper downswing sequence lets the arm swing down in front of the body, and for this to occur, you need to wait momentarily with your upper and lower body as your arms start down. Also keep in mind that as your arms drop down, keep your foot pressure directed downward into the ground as if you were trying to find some casual water around your shoes. This helps you do a couple of things. It will force you to keep your knees flexed and your heels down, which limits the weight shift until the arm swing is well underway. So remember, to help get the proper weight shift, let your arm swing down first before shifting your weight forward. For the Golf Minute, I'm Dennis Silvers. For Butch's Coffee. For EJ's Sandwich Shop. For Springfield Family Dental. Every day, Staples helps every kind of small business create bold signs that sing. And now get $10 off custom signs, banners, and posters when you spend $50 or more. Ends 1231. Visit staplesconnect.com slash thisisyoursign for details. My doctor told me my cholesterol is borderline. So I took control with Garlic Healthy Cholesterol Formula. Garlic helps maintain healthy cholesterol safely and naturally. It's odor and taste free, and Garlic is a world leader in garlic potency. I'm taking charge of my cholesterol with Garlic Healthy Cholesterol Formula, cholesterol's natural enemy. 
These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The term natural reference is only the garlic in the product. Use as directed. They're coming from everywhere. He's a big baby with traffic here for country road, I think. Corvallis, Oregon. To see the total eclipse of the sun. I'm talking about the sky, McIntyre. Mike McIntyre and the Buffaloes are coming, amongst many others. He's a big baby with traffic here for country road, I think. Sight worth seeing. I know how you must feel. Yes, but not everyone's on board. And look at that sky. You look at it. But for everyone else, excitement is sky high for life in Corvallis. Skysar is amazing. There seems to be a lot happening in it all the time. If it's happening, you'll hear about it on the Joe Beaver Show. I'm expecting something special from there. Keep your eyes skinned. I want reports. Oh, you'll get reports all right. The best reports on the Joe Beaver Show with John Warren and Mike Parker. Nothing I can say. Total eclipse of the heart. And away we go with the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show for this Wednesday afternoon. Mike Parker with John Warren. I feel like uh, Phil Donahue at the mall. Is the caller there? <laughs> you know, I was glad to know back in those old days, I didn't see the Donahue show that often, but I kind of liked his style. You know, walking around. <laughs> and falling, and falling over. There was a, Phil Hartman did a <laughs> lampoon of him. <laughs> Like climbing over all these women in in the aisle to get his the microphone to the person. <laughs> he needed a uh, Gene Rayburn style microphone yeah. a little bit longer. It, but is the caller there? I just, yeah. you know remember all of that. They getting getting me back to Joe Pine. No one, I don't think anyone texted about Joe Pine, did they, on no. the University Honda text line? Because no one knows who Joe Pine is, save for maybe three, maybe three, yay four, uh, maybe four know who Joe Pine is, but Joe Pine, the only thing I knew about him, somebody once said he was like a controversial talk show host back in the early day, late sixties on television. He did a show. Never heard of he him. Was, he was kind of controversial and out there like a Joe George Putnam type guy in the LA market. And Pine might've been in Detroit. I don't know. Just remember there were shows back in the late sixties on television and we're in a stall game here, by the way, because we're waiting for Ryan Gibson queen for a day. Anybody remember that show? Well, in that same era, there was a, a Joe Pine show on television in our market in Southern California. And Joe would get the people on and, and talk to them. They'd stand up there and he'd say, what's your beef? And so that's, I got that expression, that question, what's, For your, the what's beef your beef campaign from Joe Pine in the late 60s. And Very that's nice. all I really know about Joe Pine <laughs> and it, the opportunity to, to visit about Joe Pine and George Putnam has come and gone as we awaited. Is the caller there? The answer is yes. He has called us back because we failed to make connection in our immediate attempt with Oregon State Assistant Coach Ryan Gibson. And yes, we're talking baseball, and it's right that we do so here in early October because fall ball in full swing all over the country, and the Beavers took their team and their program to bend to rave reviews and a sellout crowd this past weekend at Vince Ganna Stadium, now heading down to Harry and David's Field in Medford, where I expect another big crowd coming up on Saturday. And to talk to us just about some of the 
early observations, excitement for all of this is Ryan Gibson, who's been kind enough to join us uh, throughout the years uh, here on the Joe Beaver Show, uh, both as a player here back in the day at LB as the head coach and in his time as a, an assistant at Oregon State, first time around and now second. And so it's a pleasure to connect again with Ryan with fall ball going. Coach Gibson, thanks for your time. These days are probably as exciting for you and the staff, for Mitch and everybody else, as, as almost any time of the year when you get to get your hands back you know, with your team and your roster, get them out practicing and playing games. We look forward to February and the start of the season. But how exciting and important are these days for you and the program? Very important. We, uh, we go out and we recruit all summer. And the whole entire time, I think all of us, we're all we're doing is thinking about day one of fall and getting around the guys. And so these last few weeks have been have been a lot of fun, and the guys have been working really hard. What do you see, Ryan? We'll get to some specific names in a moment, but this looks like a hungry team and a talented team. You will never know until you know you hit the field. You've already done that in some respects in fall ball. But what is the your sense about the group coming back? Their their mission, their hunger, and all of that that you've observed here the last few weeks. A lot of speed and explosiveness on on the, the position player side of things. It's been really exciting to see, especially our young guys. Our our transfers in or our, our freshman crop is as explosive and exciting as a crop that we've had in a long time. Hmm. And when you talk about explosiveness, give us a sense of what that means in your mind. Explosive in what ways? Um, athletically. We have guys that can they can really, really run. We have guys that, that move the bat really, really well. So there's just a lot of athleticism overall that, uh, that allows for, for this young group to to really, uh, I guess, fit, fit right away where there's no, there hasn't been any feelings of, you know, learning moments or these guys got to catch up or they got to get here, this and that type of deal. These guys are, they, they, they belong. And that's the, that's the fun part. Ryan, do you find that that aspect, they come ready? Has that improved or gotten better as time has gone on in terms of the amount of time young men play ball, the types of programs they're in, the dedication they have to their craft, the opportunities and resources available to them to get better. You're not a very old guy, but for instance, compared to when you were playing the game and coming up, are there more things that enable young players coming into high-power programs such as yours to stay sharp and keep getting better even before they get to your campus? Yeah, the the recruiting landscape has changed so much. Um, you know, a lot of these guys have been committed to us since their freshman year of high school. And so we've developed real relationships with them over the course of the past three, four years. And then the way that amateur baseball, high school level, the way they play in these big tournaments and they go around and they're, they're selected for different, different things. Um, they're playing against better competition across the board throughout. I'm not going to say throughout the spring, but most definitely throughout the summer and the fall. Mm-hmm. Ryan is as teams go, and I'm, I'm sure I know the answer to this, but how is this group gelling together? Personality-wise, 
again, because there's there's not any really out of place feeling when we just purely talk baseball and the fact that some of these guys can jump in and they can see Travis Bazana and Garrett Forrester and the way that they do things and really not skip a beat as far as being able to do a lot of the same things baseball wise and then follow those guys lead as far as, you know, how the, how they work, how we practice, what we say, what terminology we use. Um, so it's, it's early, it's early in the process because there's a lot of new faces as far as what the, the true, true chemistry and the makeup of, of, of this team is going to be, but I have nothing but really high hopes. Let me ask you about one person in particular, because it, uh, he, he's a uh, highly anticipated people are anticipating Gavin Turley's impact and what he can bring and. And he didn't disappoint the crowd in Bend, from what I understand. We were down and we were over in Salt Lake City, Ryan, so I was getting reports. But when you talk about explosiveness and athleticism, there's a lot of it. But let's maybe start with him and give us a sense of what he brings in that respect and what he showed in that debut at first at-bat in Bend on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, that's that's just it in a nutshell where – you know, we we didn't necessarily think Gavin was going to show up. We thought he was going to be a top top fifteen pick mm-hmm. in the first first round, and there's a reason. There's a reason. You know, he was projected that high. His tools are as good and as explosive as as anybody in the country um, as a true freshman. And so now it's him really being able to to see the field as a baseball player and really let those tools play out. Um, Jacob Melton was a guy that had had those kind of tools that were, you know, not a lot of guys have seen tools like that with the run and the power and the throw and just all of it. And Melt did such a good job of learning to really be a baseball player. And so now that's, that's our job to help Gavin, you know, grow and do the same. What kind of power did he show on the pitch he turned on there at Vince Gennett before a sellout crowd? It it went out just extremely high. So this was a, a majestic, a towering type of homer to left center, well on top of that that building that's out beyond left and left center of, of Ben's left field. Um, and you know it was a it was a high heater and a two strike count. Not a lot of kids can do that, especially as freshmen. As freshmen, that's exciting to hear. And Aaron Fitt, who will join the show tomorrow, in one of his tweets from Bend, homered first at bat, then hit a towering opposite field double, a liner to left center field, showed excellent speed on the double, a leg double, showed a big arm too. Is Aaron right on all of that? And based on his debut, in a sense, in fall ball with the Beavers over the weekend, he nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> And what part of that was as impressive to you, maybe, as anything? Um, it, I mean, it, it's probably got to be the first at bat because it wasn't a two-strike count. And so one of the things that, that Gavin's going to continue to grow on is his approach and cutting down some swing and miss and understanding, you know, different types of arms and how things change, where we change our sights and how we look at different pitchers and, um, 
in his first first AB against uh, you know another opposing team college arm that happened. So, you know, it was really encouraging. Yeah, Ryan, any worry? I, I'm sure <clears throat> there isn't, but any worry that he has disappointment lingering from not being drafted as high as he wanted to and and ending up here, or is that past him? Yeah, not not a bit. Yeah, he still he still got offered a nice nice chunk of change and. Once you're around the kid, once you know, you guys get to get the chance to be around him. You'll see. It's he's he's got the the personality and the charisma and the I guess the it that you know it's it slaps you across your face when you're around him. So that's that's where none of that stuff will affect him. Hey, another guy that made a splash and he did so even in his summer. But a guy that had an excellent summer, and it seemed to translate with power in Bend, a park he's very familiar with. But what about Brady Casper hitting two homers on Saturday, Coach? And just maybe, you know, the step you hope and maybe see he's in the process of taking for the upcoming year. Yeah, the way the adjustments that Brady has made, um, sometimes it's, it's difficult for left-handed hitting right-handed throwers to really do a good job to to learn how to load properly and be able to start early enough and do some different things that are kind of specific to what what we value um, when it comes to how we're going to move the bat and how we're going to get our body into a position to really move the bat. And he's he's done that really, really well. Um, and, yeah, he hit, he hit two balls that – I don't even, you know, the neighborhood, the road goes across the <laughs> across the way, way back there in right field, and sure. they just they they disappeared. He even got kind of got quick pitched on one, and still was able to just click on it. And so, um, high hopes for Brady when when his his passion for the game shows the way it is right now. There's no doubt that he, you know, there's no reason he can't be a an everyday type of guy. A few more minutes with Ryan Gibson. Ryan joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. When you referenced Gavin and hitting a two-strike homer, which was exciting, a swing and a miss for, you know, he's trying to cut down a little bit on strikeouts, we understand, and his approach and all of that. Ryan, in the day and age that we're in, do you mind... I mean, are more strikeouts, in a sense, quote-unquote, okay when you kind of see what the plan and approach is? We see it at the major league level a lot where you can sacrifice some average and maybe contact because you're going to generate some amazing power and big home run numbers, but that may come with more strikeouts. What's your sense of the balance between those dynamics? Uh, there's, we're not, We're not, you know, in the same boat as far as how – Major League Baseball has gone to really kind of embracing strikeouts, right. where because because they're gonna they're gonna value how hard you hit it so much that they don't care that you strike out because they're playing for you know two run three run homers um, to to score runs that way. We're still gonna play. We're gonna play a brand of college baseball that we've always played, and we're still the one of the number one metrics that we that we track as an offense is walks plus hit by pitch um, to strikeouts. That ratio we want to we want to be as close to one to one as we can as a team. And so there are going to be guys that strike out more, 
but those guys that do strike out more, they better there better be a reason for it. They better have more extra base hits. Mm-hmm. They better have you know a few more homers, RBIs. They're they're punishing the ball when they when they get off you know on a on a good pitch. Last uh, couple of things on some we, we don't have time to talk about some of the compelling, exciting returners that are going to take steps and have big years. You touched on it a little bit with the examples that Garrett and Travis and Tanner Smith and others set. Kyle Dernetti, and, and we, there are more. But some of these newcomers and names that we'll start to get familiar with, Jacob Craig, Tice Peterson, Easton Tolt with speed. Tell, tell us a little bit about those guys I just mentioned, Jacob, Tice, Easton, and maybe some of the qualities they bring to the program. Yeah, East, Easton Tolt's going to be a name that everybody will be familiar with. He is, when we talk about explosiveness and true speed and again he had a he had a drag bunt in bend where he was three five oh down the line mm. and Travis Pizana, who's one of the best drag bunters, push bunners I've ever been around and can really run, he he's typically right around a three six four mm-hmm. is where his times come out to on that. And so Easton absolutely flies. Jacob Craig is an imposing um figure that We'll have a chance to play um, kind of corner positions, DH, third base, first base, DH, and we haven't had him even ha- haven't had him get on the mound yet. And he can he can pitch as well, um, but he's six six, every bit of you know two hundred thirty five, two hundred forty pounds, and hit a homer in his his debut in Bend, uh, and then you know Tyce Peterson, who you mentioned is somebody that we're really excited about because it's another another infielder that gives us depth to play potentially, you know, third base, second base, and, you know, just, again, moves the bat really well and has, has a lot of gamer to him already where, you know, he does see the field and he does talk when he's supposed to talk, communicates the right way, um, backs up where he's supposed to, just knows, already has a really good feel for the game. Mm-hmm. And one pitcher, and there's a lot of arms, and, and down the road, maybe when fall ball wraps up, we can uh, kind of come back to you or Mitch or, or Rich or whatever and talk about pitching. But Aaron Fitt also tweeted he was impressed by a young man named Victor Quinn who touched 98 in bend and threw strikes, from what I understand. So if you're able to throw at that velocity and throw strikes, <laughs> You're on to something, obviously, Ryan. Tell us a little bit about, I guess, an excitement level you might have for Victor if he's able to harness that stuff. Yeah, and that's that's just it. He he came in, he was the last pitcher to throw, and so he might have had a little bit of a, a fire under his you-know-what, mm-hmm. and he, he filled it up. He The Ben, the ben board read 99 on okay. one of them, um, and... You know, he he then he, he he snapped off a couple a couple of breaking balls at you know 84, 85 miles an hour that were landed, and you know just filled up the strike zone. So Vic, if Vic with that type of arm talent can can be consistent in just you know K not necessarily K rate but just strike or uh, throwing strikes, he, there's no doubt that he could be be a big piece of this this pitching staff. 
Tell us about Medford Saturday and, and just your excitement level to take the show on the road there and what it was like to play before those fans in Bend and how, how I guess, Jack juiced your guys get for, for these types of opportunities. Yeah, um, so similar similar format. Uh, Sac State has agreed the same thing in the second game where we we had Gonzaga start a runner at first base every game in the second game or every inning in the second game. And then this this weekend, Sac State has agreed where they'll start a runner at first base at the start of every inning, and we will start a runner at first base um, at the start of every inning. Um, which gives us some some better situational mm-hmm. opportunities, mm-hmm. but the excitement, the crowd, the crowd in Bend was outstanding. I, I honestly, I feel even even more excited about Medford because they put the tickets on sale. They sold out in 30 minutes. Wow! Billy Billy Rao and Parker Berberet have mm-hmm. the field dialed in. Good. Bend's field was a little bit rough, and so they've been working hard at that. And so they take a lot of pride in making sure. You know our guys are taken care of, mm-hmm. and you know they got they got the best best chance to to make it a good environment with the field and the crowd and all that. And so this weekend's going to be a lot of fun to get to take on Sac State. Ryan, it's great to talk to you. Good to talk baseball in October, and I know you're going to be watching our guys too, Quani and Drew and Matt Boy going on to the postseason. How about that? So fun, yeah, so fun, especially the way that Quani's played down the stretch. To get the excite, see the excitement in that post game interview, Matty Boyd gave, yeah, gave me gave me goosebumps. So, yep, so excited to watch those guys. Good times, thanks, thanks coach. Ryan. We'll talk again soon, Ryan. Good to have you on the show. Have fun Saturday, and we'll do it again soon. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, see you guys, Ryan Gibson. Let's break. We'll come back. Speaking of the Mariners, they're just around the corner. We'll break and come back and wrap up today's show on twelve forty Joe Radio. Lean back and save at Inkwell Home Store. Right now, buy stressless recliners, sofas, or office chairs and get up to $1,500 credit towards the purchase of more. Or save $400 on stressless signature-based recliners and ottomans and motorized classic power recliners. Don't wait. Take the opportunity to fill your home with stressless comfort for less. Shop Inkwell Home Store, 3rd Street, downtown Corvallis. The outside to the left and jogs in. Touchdown, Beaver! It takes a team effort to score a touchdown. The same is true if you need some advice with personal or business tax planning, monthly business bookkeeping, or just need some help with strategy. With over 45 years in business, the coaching staff at Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis can help. See David Mendenhall, Bill Heck, or Robert Berry. They have the experience you need to execute the game plan and score a touchdown every time. Visit taxandwealthmanagement.com and get into the game. For auto glass solutions, better call a glass man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the glass man. Need your auto glass repaired or replaced? Need to recalibrate your advanced car safety system? Don't call that 800 number. Call the glass man. For auto glass solutions, better call a glass man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the glass man. 
It's Medicare open enrollment time. See the Medicare specialists at Rhodes Warden Insurance Agency. Look at all the 2022 plan choices, including prescription drug plans and Medicare Advantage. This is your time to see if you can find a lower premium and extra benefits. Open enrollment starts October 15th and ends December 7th. Call now to make an appointment. Since 1961, Rhodes Warden Insurance Agency, Lebanon, Albany, and Staten, or RhodesWardenINS.com. Feel the power at Power Honda in Albany, where quality, service, and peace of mind meet you as you walk through the door at 4120 Sandham Highway in Albany. Power Honda is family-owned and offers new vehicles and over a 1,000 used vehicles to choose from. Power Honda has a Google review of 4.9 stars, offers financing for everyone, and knows how to treat their customers' needs. Come feel the power at Power Honda in Albany. Have you been putting off that remodeling project? Have you finally decided to take a leap and get it done? For over 30 years, people in the Mid-Valley have been going to Corvallis Floor Covering. Stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, countertops, wood and vinyl flooring and window coverings from all the popular brands that you know, love and gotta have. They're on the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering and go Beeves. All right. So. Gonna, we'll have a little more baseball from the national perspective tomorrow. And with Gippy, we didn't. We talked about newcomers, essentially. Yeah. But he told me off the air that Tanner Smith is really. Tanner's going to. is preparing himself for a big year. He joined the Knights late. So did Victor Quinn, the Knights winning their sixth straight West Coast League championship. How did he look, Victor Quinn? He, not much. Very little action. Joined late, mm. just kind of to bolster the roster in case they needed somebody in the playoffs. They didn't really end up needing him, but he's gone to work on trying to, you know, command. It, command. So is he a uh, wild thing? 99 miles an hour? <laughs> Needs the black glasses? <laughs> Down in Scottsdale. In the Pac-12 tournament, I think his first three warm-up pitches when he came into the game with the Beavers, who had the nine-run lead going in mm-hmm. that game, yeah. his first three warm-up pitches, I think, were nuke louche to the backstop. <laughs> I mean, that type of thing. <laughs> hey, you know, where, you you know, hey, hit the mascot. You know, I mean, but if, he's, if he begins to harness that yeah. with consistency and throws a hammer in there, too, forget it. Forget it. Lloyd. We just have to harness that energy. <laughs> 1.21 gigawatts. You know, Larry Sherry, who I had the honor of interviewing once, uh, not Larry, Norm Sherry. Norm Sherry, Larry's brother. Norm Sherry was a pitching coach. And it's sort of one of those things that happens in life where, you know, occasionally you get the, the moment in time, famous moment in time for St. Augustine when he heard children playing a game in the garden. Take and read, take up and read. They're singing this little sing-song game in the garden. Take up and read, take up and read. And so Augustine thought, well, that, that's a message to me. And he took up and read uh, a big book of scripture or whatever that was next to him. And he, what he read inspired him, his soul and changed his life. At that right moment, take up and read, take up and read. So he <laughs> took and read and changed Western civilization. Now... <laughs> And some could say, well, not for the good. Well, that depends on your perspective. But a paragon, a giant in the history of Western civilization, no doubt, prompted by a child saying, take up and read. 
Now, he'd been taking up and reading a lot prior to that, but that was just the right moment at the right time just to change his perspective. Now, Norm Sherry says to, to Sandy Koufax one day in a bullpen session, Sandy's his left-hander, yeah. great stuff, but wild. And Norm says to him, it's just like the right thing at the right time, take up and read, Sandy. No, what he said was, Sandy... When I watch you pitch, you're trying. You're throwing every pitch like it's the last pitch of your life. You're you're throwing so hard and putting everything into it. Back off just a little bit. Your fastball is good enough. Just back off a little bit. Take a little off. Relax. You don't have to throw every pitch like it's your last. Huh. And Sandy kind of contemplated that. He was 36 and 40 in his major league career at that point. Norm says, "Take a little bit off, Sandy." Sandy did. And became, over the next five, six years, the greatest pitcher in baseball history. So his seasons and his stuff and his numbers. A short run because arthritis hit him at the age of 30, even before then. But he was pitching through tremendous pain with his left elbow. But his transcendent seasons in the early to mid-60s, some say, was the best stretch of pitching the game has ever seen. Koufax. And to his... throughout his life and to Norm Sherry's dying day, when I interviewed Norm about it, he said, Sandy Koufax has been too good to me. I didn't say anything revelatory or anything that other people Mm -hmm. probably hadn't said to him, but he was very kind to me, Norm said, through the ensuing years to give me credit for him becoming Sandy Koufax. Because it worked. It worked. He he listened at that moment. It's not as though anybody else probably, hey, you know. But at the right time and the right place, that word of counsel changed everything for Koufax. And Norm Sherry lived off that the rest of his life in that this is the guy that got Koufax straightened out. And that's that's a pretty good thing to have on your resume. And you're right. He could have. He probably has been had been told that many times before, but it had to be. We have Trent Bray audio from practice today, I believe, coming up. We're going to take a final break. We're heading straight up to Mariners baseball today at one o'clock. We'll hear from the defensive coordinator, Trent Bray, next on 1240 Joe Radio. A lot of land comes with a lot of work, and the new Kubota MX Series has a lot to offer, including the versatility to mow, move bales of hay, grade roads, and clear brush and snow. The new Kubota MX Series is rated number one in durability and owner experience. Visit Lynn Benton Tractor in Tangent or go to lynnbentontractor.com. We're still doing business the American way. If you are a veteran and live in Lynn County, there are benefits and services available to you at Lynn County Veterans Services. You've earned them. Use them. Call 541-926-3882 and take advantage of what you've earned. Home loans, disability compensation, health care, transportation, and more. Lynn County Veterans Services is here to help you. If you are a veteran and live in Lynn County, call 541-926-3882 and thank you for serving your country. Lynn County Veterans Services, serving our local veterans. University hero and 5th Street Growlers. Fresh subs, craft brews, and the beeves. We're in Corvallis. Can you watch the beavers on TV? Enjoy your favorite sub sandwich or drinking a cold craft beer or sipping on a glass of wine. University hero and 5th Street Growlers, that's where. It's a great combination. Stop by on 5th Street, downtown Corvallis. University hero and 5th Street Growlers. Fresh subs, craft brews, and the beeves. Are you expecting out-of-town guests this fall? Not sure where they're going to sleep? You could add on an extra bedroom. Or an easier and less expensive solution would be to buy a futon from Futon Man. 
Futon Man has quality constructed solid hardwood frames in lots of styles and finishes, and their alley resilient mattresses have a long lasting foam core. And there's lots of cover choices too. Stop by Futon Man, two miles north of Corvallis on Highway 99, or online at futon man.com. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation change? Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. When we work together, we'll focus on what's important to you. We'll use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And we'll partner to help your strategy stay on track. Contact me today, 541 541- 758-8245. Edward Jones, member SIPC. We will get to Trent Bray's audio in just a moment. We're heading straight up to Mariner baseball today. The regular season finale. It seems almost impossible, John. There's something about baseball seasons. They seem to last forever. <laughs> they do. And think about the, the span of time we've gone this season and every major league baseball season. You start airing some spring training games. Mm-hmm. And you, you go through spring and wet, early summer, midsummer, late summer. Now October. Now the Mariners play on. It's exciting for us in this region, I think, and certainly for Matthew Boyd, whom we hope to be able to visit with tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And as the schedule plays out, maybe even try it. We've had Stephen on when he first got called up to the Guardians, and Drew Rasmussen's been on this year as well. We'll try if we can to to make connection with all of them, mm-hmm. depending on how their season goes. And even if the Mariner is eliminated, and I, Matthew, tomorrow, you talk about a busy day. I mean, they're going to be traveling. I, if we don't get him, it's not like Boyd is just saying, ah, I don't care. No, if we, he, if we get him, it's a The huge very bonus. fact that he texted me a couple of different times saying, this is that, I can't do it now, I'll do this, well, maybe Thursday. We'll yeah. see if Thursday works out, but no pressure on him whatsoever. Like, don't let us down now, Matty. Yeah. And none of that. But we'll see. I'd love to get him on. Yeah. Same with Drew and Steven as their schedules play out. But baseball just seems to last forever. (laughs) And now here we go into a second season. It's hard to believe after all these games. Here we are. Especially with it now moving on for another week or so. But it's great. It feels like new life and rejuvenation. It it does. Um, Back to football? Yes. So during your interview with John Platts, I was uh, perusing the Twitter sphere. Kenzano now has an article saying, and hadn't thought about this. This is a new phenomenon. Big 10 coming after Pac-12 officials. What do you mean coming after them? Trying to sign them, maybe. Get some West Coast guys. Well, good for them. Take them off. Well, no, that I'm was sorry. my initial that I'm was sorry. my initial thought. That is a terrible thing to say. I don't mean that, but well, that's my initial sort of I kind of thought the same thing too. Reaction, but but at the same time, who are you going to bring up? I mean, in this world of nobody doing anything, are there young officials waiting in the wings to get to the pro level because uh, you go anywhere in society whether it be some kind of a professional business or a burger joint there's nobody working. They're closing early. Well, isn't that something? Because, uh, no, you're right. I mean, that's a phenomenon. nobody working. And then with this story that we've had recently of nationally about the, the seriously low numbers of officials that are, are coming out and the, the big number of them quitting because of how they get treated at the high school mm-hmm. level. 
What does that mean for filling up the all the other levels? You've got small college. You, I mean, you've got everything. Mm-hmm. You need thousands of people to do these jobs. So I'd be curious to know what the numbers are like in the waiting in the wings to try to be a Power Five official coming up from, it's say, small question. college. It's a good question, and we should perhaps get somebody on the show yeah. uh, to talk to us about that, that and, and a potential Big Ten raid. Yeah. Why do they want it? What's the angle on because it? Because you've got two new West Coast teams, so, right. so you need to make sure you've got some West Coast officials that are going to be For the West Coast games? Local. Yeah, I got you. Local. So they have to travel them so much. Yeah, and if they take the best, I mean, I know, I, ours are terrible, I guess, but if, well, you, if you raid the top, then... Right. What? Who fills those rookies from a D three or or Mid America? I mean, yeah. What level comes in to fill the role if some officials get poached? Interesting angle. Hadn't even thought of it. Never would have thought of it. I, I didn't even. Yeah. yeah. Now we're going to hear from Trent right now, the D coordinator, so we don't lose it. But when we come back, yesterday I teased noise in stadiums. Oh yeah. Via vis a vis Oklahoma, I'll share a comment that I found amusing in Andy Staples in The Athletic yesterday about that with Sarah saying we're going to turn things down just a little bit for Washington State and the home games going forward. But first, T.J. Mathewson gathered this post-practice sound from defensive coordinator Trent Bray today. I'm ready. Uh, Takeaways. Uh What happened? Where'd they go? Well, SC, we dropped two picks, had the ball on the ground and didn't get it, so opportunities have still been there. We got to go get them, and then same thing at Utah. We dropped a couple, you know, interceptions that we could have had. So, I think if the ball's in play. We got to go get it. I think that's what we were doing in the first couple of weeks, and we just got to make the play on the ball. I assume that's been a big emphasis this week in practice. There's, there's no. That's the kind of. There's no emphasis, right? It's about again fundamentals, teaching, and then balls in. Right when that ball presents itself, we got to continue to teach those fundamentals of going up high, pointing it, getting the football. Yep. Um, Sione Lola has uh-huh. been playing quite a bit more. What does he add to your to the defense? Uh, he's just athletic, um, motor. Like, he just goes 100 miles an hour all the time, and then he's, he's just a twitchy, like, big athlete. And uh, So he's been disruptive both in the run game and pass game. So he, he's doing well and getting better every week. It's uh, offense that Stanford runs. It's a little bit different than what you yep. normally what, – what, what are the challenges defending that? Uh, you know, they're, they just, they hold that slow mesh point. They're holding the ball. You know, a quarterback keeps his eyes downfield. He's reading the guy. If that guy bites on the run, he's throwing the ball. So it's about really discipline and who's taking away the, this, who's taking away that, and making sure that every guy's on point. The second half at Utah, uh, what was different in the second half than in the first half defensively? Uh, you know, I think it just, you know, towards the end of the game, we, they just made some plays that we didn't make. I, I think that's the biggest thing. You know, they got us on the reverse. They got some linemen out, and we didn't get linemen out. Uh, you know, that they had a, you know, a couple couple plays that we just we weren't on point with. You know, they hit us on a couple digs that we'd been great in in the first half. And so it's, it's, it's really back to just the fundamentals because it wasn't anything that, that they did. It was the fundamentals of how we played. So we got to make sure that we tighten those up. When you look at McKee in individually, uh, what does he bring that you've got to be aware of? He's just a smart, intelligent, you know, I mean, he's a good quarterback. Like, he's, he knows where to go with the ball. He knows the offense. He does a good job holding that read. So uh, we, got, we got to do a great job of doing our work. I think that pass rush is where you want it. I think one sack of Caleb Williams, I think one sack of rising this past week. Did, 
looking at it on tape, do you still think you guys did a good job pressuring the quarterback? We could always improve. I, I don't think – I think SC we did. We had him on the run. He's just hard to tackle. But uh, but last week there wasn't enough enough pressure in just normal downs. We need to continue to, to generate more, yes. I don't think I've ever heard a coach say we're at – we're where we want to be. Yeah. But <laughs> is there anything on defense you're doing that you feel like you're close to what you want to be doing? Yeah, I think in general we're close. I think the last two opponents we played are the best – not only in this conference, but in the country. And, and the, we played, you know, SC, obviously, we played right with them the whole game. And then, you know, against Utah for the first half, we were getting three and outs. We were getting them off the field. And, you know, we know we can play with anyone we go against. So I, I'm, I'm happy about that. And then it's going to come back to, again, the continue execution as, as the game goes on and the season goes on, is not losing those fundamentals of how I execute and how I do my job. These last two, you guys have really, you know, kept the team into the game. What's the sense of urgency, you know, going into this one saying, hey, we got to step it up a little bit even more just to be able to bounce back in this? Uh, I think the biggest thing we got to do is is there's going to be adversity throughout the week. That, that was the one thing probably from last week I, I didn't think we handled as well as we had in the previous games is adversity. Um, they had a couple short fields. We got to find a way to, to keep them out of the end zone. You know, that's the big thing. And so I think we can handle adversity better because it's inevitable. It's going to come at some point. And so we got to be able to go out there and, and hold the offense to, to three or no points. That's the big thing for us. All right, that's uh, Trent it. Bray, about a four-minute session with the D coordinator. When uh, you lose a couple of games, the nature of the questions just become a little bit more pointed. A little, a little bit. You know, and the answer is a little shorter. Not yesterday with Coach Lindgren and today with Coach Bray. It's not as though it's combative. It's not Nick Saban-esque. Oh, what did oh, Saban say the other day? You, when, you, says, when you uh, rephrased it, you made me laugh. What the, guy, the guy says, the, the interlocutor says, yeah. uh, if, if the quarterback can't go, Bryant Young, uh, it must have been like the third or fourth question in a row because Nick that. just went crazy. He goes, uh, yeah, do you have any uh, any packages and uh, some stuff you know, ready to go? For the for, backup, for the backup guy, uh, if uh, you know Bryant can't go, and and he's like, well, <laughs> we already do, and then it's all quiet, and then he says, and then he says, yeah, you, you want me to you want me to make a new one? Well, let me go talk to my offensive coordinator, <laughs> and then he even said, I'll talk to Jimbo and see, you know, let him know, you know, he's just. <laughs> That is a, that, and he had gone off earlier that Rome played. It was Romy hilarious. played it. Oh, yeah, Romy was listening to it, and he was interjecting. He goes, oh, oh, this is great. He goes, ooh, a little sarcasm. He's going the sarcasm way. And then he goes, Bill Belichick would have been really pleased with this answer. <laughs> we're, we're, we're on to Auburn, but whatever. <laughs> hey, hey, I don't know, but I, I didn't hear any of it. It is comical. Yeah, it funny. is comical. Yeah, those things can be comical. Very comical. <laughs> At Oklahoma, and here's the world we're in, John. This is what it, we're in a very strange time. No, no question about More what our what our future any is. Other time. And I'm not just talking hours right here in River City. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, the whole college football landscape. I emailed myself an article from the Athletic today, which suggest you know the question is asked: Is college football just becoming a, a mini NFL now? Mm-hmm. You know, and where where do we go from here with the pay? The pay for players. Yeah, I mean, player, the, the transfer portal and the nil world and all that. I mean, people are getting deals to come play, and I don't. Yeah. I'm not talking out of school here. That's who, who's giving fact. you the better offer, and what kind of market? And they're getting that to high school kids. Yeah. So, so 
Is it becoming a mini NFL was the question. I've emailed the article to myself to sort of see what these outstanding writers from The Athletic are finding as they go around. Yesterday, reading The Athletic, the whole phrase about things are tough all over. I mean, Lincoln Riley bails on Oklahoma to take the big money and the opportunity at USC. Brent Venables, a defensive guy, Mm -hmm. takes over for the offensive guy. And Oklahoma is really struggling. They just flat out are. They got boat raced by TCU, and TCU is now being mentioned sort of on the fringes of the CFP, TCU right now, because of the route and the way they're playing. So there's a guy named Thad Turnipseed. He's the executive director for football administration at Oklahoma. He's worked for Saban at Alabama and for Dabo at Clemson in building infrastructure for programs. Now he's with Brent Venables at Oklahoma. The program's moving to the SEC, so he's trying to prepare from an infrastructure standpoint all of, all of the things you have to be prepared for when you're in that power, when you're in the elite of uh-huh. the elite in uh-huh. the SEC. Now, the last two weeks, Oklahoma has lost at home to Kansas State and were blown out at TCU. The Horn Frogs average nine yards per play with touchdowns of 73, 67, 62, and 69-yard big plays against the defensive guru, Mm. Brent Venables. So these are tough times at Oklahoma. Even so, here's what Andy Staples adds. He's writing, okay, this is the commitment, how they're all in there at Oklahoma, particularly in preparation to the move to the giant, that is the SEC. Staples writes, quote, a football complex that was renovated in 2017 will be expanded at a cost of about $175 million. That's a football complex that's more than what it's costing the Beavers to do the new side and getting Reeser up to speed. That's just, again, just the level of the world we're talking about here and the money. $175 million to look more like what Florida just built or what Texas A&M is continuing to build, dot, dot, dot. When the band isn't playing at home games, the music pipe through the speakers will be aimed at impressing the recruits on the sidelines rather than the people in the stands, <laughs> unquote. And I think that's a little bit, that last part yeah. is a, the world we're in. That the no dead air, the party atmosphere, right. the music pumped up and the volume, Staples has just hit it on the head. It's not so much for our benefit per se as fans at Oklahoma, they've identified that when the band isn't playing at home games, we're going to pipe the music louder. They don't say louder, but yeah. music will be piped through the speakers aimed at impressing recruits on the sidelines rather than the people in the stands, as if to say that's an infrastructure type of thing, whether Thad Turnipseed has suggested it or wherever <laughs> that's coming from. Oklahoma is kind of, we're all in the same world now. What are we going to do in this incredible arms race, the race? Yeah. You know how you talk, we talked years ago about how it's kind of over, everybody's developed, but no. It's everybody this is a, a 2017, 2017 renovation just five years ago, now they're doing another $175 million on it. Adding on it or making it better? Well, $175 million renovation, it says, to something that was already renovated five years ago. I can't. I don't know how it can sustain itself. Well, I know. that's. I don't know how anything with the coaching salaries the way they are and and all of that, relying on 18 to 22-year-olds and now with uh, the, um, the portal and the NIL, all of that, and the uncertainty of leagues. Are you kidding me? 
There's no way that infrastructure can maintain itself. We have about eight minutes left. If there's anything you'd like to jump in with the conversation, feel free at 497-5356, 497-5356. In the meantime, for us in our world, I'm excited as John Platts, you can tell that's a good soul. I like John, a good dude, and a guy who's been around this league for a long time and has written a book on Stanford basketball, and he spoke rightly about college football and the world we've lived in. It's a regional sport. We yeah, have long-time rivalries yeah. with all of these schools and memorable moments. Whether you like or dislike the schools in our league, you know UCLA and can harken back. Hey, remember when we tied right. them 16 And the Blue and Bloods in the region know who the lower-level ones are, whereas the Blue Bloods the nationally have no idea. Let's go to Paul real quick. Okay. On the uh, Joe Beaver Show. Hey, hey Paul, Paul uh, welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Yes, hey, Mike. As many times as I've railed about that game up in Washington in 1998, I was shocked to hear that Dave from Tumwater was at that same game, and he never, ever told me about it. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, and he was aware of, of course, Jonathan Smith coming in in that game. Yep. But the other thing is, why do we have to have that stupid music played between every play? It just, it, it, I want to watch a football game. I don't want to have my ears bombarded with this huge amount of noise. I mean, it just, <laughs> to, you know, what do you mean they're playing it for the recruits? Is this, does that music impress the recruits? I just, I, I don't understand it. I thought the game was played for the fans, not the recruits. I, I don't know. I mean, of course, the recruits are, are an integral part of the program. But uh, I thought that the fans were... <laughs> what the game was for. Well, the the games are for the student athletes. I'm sorry to be so captain obvious, or, well, but, 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 but if it is for the student athletes who are 18 to 22 and we're there because we love it and to support them and we are the pain public, I, I hear kind of what you're saying, Paul, yeah. I, I, I'm not trying to dismiss that element of it at all, but if the product is comprised of 18 to 22, 23 year olds, and the future product are 16 and 17 year olds on your sidelines contemplating perhaps coming to your place. And there's always a, a bevy of recruits, official or unofficial visits at every home game. I think what Oklahoma is finding, and these are scientific findings from Thad Turnipseed and everybody else <laughs> down in Norman, they, they're trying to find ways to make the experience the absolute best and brightest and exciting for the young people who are contemplating coming to help you build a superpower in football. So I do think fans, yourself, maybe others, sometimes get we get a little lost in the slow mesh, but it, it, the games are for the young people in trying to build the program, even with all the donors and the paying customers. Now, to say that, Paul, Sarah has said they've responded to yourself and others who would like to maybe have a little more dead air or quietness during the games. So they are going to tone it down and tone it back a little bit in response to some of the things you and others have apparently said. All right. Hey, one last question. If they want to attract these recruits, especially let's say, let's say some of these really talented African-American recruits, shouldn't they be playing hip hop? Hey, yeah. Hey, I have no idea how, what goes into a playlist, Paul. And I, you know, thanks for the call. Uh, I think there is. I mean, there's a blend, isn't there, John? Oh, I yeah. don't know. Oh, An yeah. eclectic mix of all genres. There's everything in there. Yeah. 
Mariner baseball, the final game of the regular season is coming up here shortly. Anything in our last few minutes to take from the University Honda text line, even unfinished business from yesterday, and I know that's difficult to go back in time. Uh, there are inherent difficulties in time travel. <laughs> Send and, all the officials to the Big Ten. <laughs> you invite, If Canzano writes... Big Ten thinking about rating Pac-12 for their officials. What kind of response are you going to get? That kind <laughs> from myself. Take them all. But we're going to talk a little bit about the state of officiating. We should. And maybe with a former Pac-12 official, uh, Jack Fogelton's perhaps, who's been on with us before. We'll try to get somebody on. Is it Jack or ter- Terry? Uh, uh, Foyard. Jack Foyard, yeah. yes, from Salem. I think he lives in Salem. We'll mm-hmm. try to get him yeah. on. Terry Fogelton is who I was thinking of. But Jack Foyard, who I still see around Pac-12 venues, we should talk to him a little bit about some of these dynamics. Here's a question yeah. for you. Do you think uh, teams leaving the Pac-12 and league realignments will have a negative impact on baseball? Well, you know. It, depends on what the it, answer it, is. It depends on where. I, I do know from talking to to our baseball coaches at Oregon state that that question being asked, they're getting those questions from people they're recruiting. Are you guys, you guys still going to be in the conference? Are you going to be a power five yeah, program? Yeah. That'd be hard right yeah, now. It's difficult for all coaches and all of the programs of both Oregon state and Washington state with people reading everything they're reading. Mm-hmm. Those questions are naturally coming from parents of recruits and the recruits themselves. Yeah. That would be really hard right now yeah. to recruit because you just, everything's in limbo. Uh, well, the Ludites lost. Referring to what the I don't know. the the techno den, I have, yeah, po- possibly. I don't, I don't know. Uh, Paul's hip hop comment was pretty stereotypical and sounded a bit racist. Yeah, kind of. That's why we sort kinda, of why we I, moved I mean, on very quickly. And, and why and why it's an eclectic blend of yes, music that yes. you hear at every game. Uh, there's two questions we can yeah. answer fairly easily. When is Musgrave returning? We ask that every time we can, and Jonathan won't Jonathan say. yesterday on Monday on Monday said he's out for a longer. Don't expect it anytime soon. Is essentially the only thing the we answer. know is that, and I don't know if it's changed, but the only thing we know is that he had said a week or two ago that it's not season ending. He did. He My, did offer I, that I did at a one snap, point. a neck snap to you when he said that. Because well, that, that was a kind of a uh, a, conf- a confirming type of statement. Now, that may have changed. Yeah, I, I don't know, Johnny. I really don't. But no, the answer is we don't know when. And I'm just going to throw an or if, depending on rehab and everything else. When or if. And even Jonathan Monday, when asked and pressed, did he? Yeah, he kind of stopped short of fully answering the question because these are. These are HIPAA laws that he is right. res- respecting. Yeah, he can't. There's yeah. laws he can't right. deal with. So. Are we Are we out? Uh, about a minute. I mean, we're, we're floating. We can do anything we want now, but I'll just play the minute music. I wonder here. what's going to happen straight up at one. Whose voice will we hear? Gary Hill? It could be, a, could it be a, Shannon Trayer. It could Trayer? be a commercial. Could it be Rick Riz? Could it be in the middle of a commercial? That's a good question. We're going to find On out the here. hour, because they started an hour ago. So we're going to play. And they, they play in 10 minutes. The game starts in yeah, 10. Yeah, so where will that be in the in the long? We might have Gary asking for a station identification. Who knows? But we're joining straight up at 1 o'clock. So, Johnny, when we are 10 seconds out, just as though we were closing the Joe Beaver show as normal, let me know when we get there. And we're going to send it over to Mariner Baseball in the regular season finale. We'll have Aaron Fitt uh, and Alex Brink tomorrow. 
on the Joe Beaver Show. Mariner Baseball coming right up. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240 Joe Radio. 